All right, welcome back to another episode of Living the Boulder Dream. Today I have with me a kind of a special guest. Um, it's kind of the reason we're here in a way. Um, so Connor Warman, who is one of the coaches at CrossFit Roots, which you've all heard about, heard me talk about quite a few times, um, and I've had a few people on here that are also part of that community. So Connor runs his own podcast called The Warman Project which is, and, and you can fill in gaps, but I think the summary is people who he's met along the way, their life stories and how they found CrossFit or how they got into CrossFit and that kind of thing. Is that an accurate? Yeah, yeah. That hits yeah. it. Okay, so um, Connor invited me to do that and I did that. I don't remember what episode it was, but... I have no idea. Quite a while ago, but you can find it on any of the, the podcast um, platforms. Um, the Warman Project and so while I was doing that with him and then afterwards, I was kind of like, hmm, I should do this. I should do this for real estate. So um, he was my inspiration um, and I'm lucky enough to have him today. Also, interestingly, Connor's not a homeowner. Um, nope. He's never, never purchased, never. And so we're going to dig into that mindset a little bit of, of, you know, the why, or even if, you know, like what, what he knows, what he doesn't know, what, what, what does he think is, you know, in the obstacle and, and maybe, maybe we'll enlighten him and maybe he'll be, you know, going to open houses tomorrow. We'll see. I've lived in a lot of houses. Does that count? It, uh, it does. Um, so, and I usually start these things off with a little background uh, questions, like so. Where I mean, and so you know, I know a lot of these questions, but for the for the audience, um, where are you from? I'm from suburbs of Chicago, uh, Barrington, Illinois, okay. to be exact. And we basically spent my whole childhood moving around that town. Um, so, there you go. About six houses. Six out. Okay. So, and, and if I remember correctly, your dad is a builder. Yeah. He's a contractor. So would he build these houses and then you guys would move into them and then he'd sell them and kind of move on? Yeah. We'd move in. He'd remodel. It would be not fun when we were remodeling. <laughs> um, but then he'd basically just sell them and we'd move on to the next one. Yeah. They'd fix me up and yeah. then sell them. I think looking back, I, I understand more of what he was doing. Yeah. yeah. No. Yeah. <laughs> and at the time. Maybe you can explain it to my kids because they're just like, are we moving again? Yeah. I mean, lots of times where the laundry room was the kitchen, yeah, and sleeping on the floor. <laughs> yeah, we lived we lived through a few pretty major projects that we shouldn't have lived through. Um, and then right when we got to enjoy it, it was let's go move again. Yeah, it's like awesome. Yeah, great, let's do it again. You got to time the market. You got to do it. So, so tell me a little bit about like the the landscape of Barrington because you know this country is diverse neighborhoods and cities and like the, you know, suburbs, they're all so different. You know, like what you find in Boulder is either like, you know, a 1960s ranch or like a big, you know, McMansion or like McMansion from the seventies, which is just weird. Um, or even eighties. Yeah. So what, what does Barrington look like? I think the newest house we ever lived in was from the sixties. And then we had some that were from the 1800s. Okay. So older houses. Oh, so he was refabbing, not not building from scratch. No, not building, building okay. from scratch, yeah. Okay. Kinda, he had a good eye for like the diamond in the rough, mm -hmm. being a contractor. Yep, yep, yep. And we'd look at it and be like, we're really, we're moving there. And then we'd get done and it was beautiful. Yeah. So. And you're one of three? Two. Two. One. Oh, you only have one brother? One brother, oh, okay. yeah. I thought there were three of you. All right. Whew. Not that I know of. <laughs> Um, all right. So, um, so these homes, so if I remember, I was in Barrington once, I bought a car there. Um, and do you so remember where from? 
It was an individual guy, so I bought oh, okay. like this old um, 1973 MGB, and he had it like in a barn, um, and it was actually in pretty good shape. And so yeah, I bought it there, and we, we brought it back to Colorado, but I've since sold that. Um, but it's pretty rural, right? Like, I mean, houses are pretty spread out. But there's not like developments or yeah. Well, there are. It's they're kind of different. There's like the village of Barrington. There's Barrington Hills, South Barrington. Got it. Barrington Hills is where it gets spread out, and you have people with farms and yep. stuff. And it's really like directly south of O'Hare, right? Directly south. It's directly west. Directly west. Right of down O'Hare? ninety. Okay. And then north a little bit. Okay. Um, as opposed to where O'Hare is. Yeah. So okay. All right. Yeah. Um, well, maybe I'm thinking of a totally different town. But maybe. anyway. <laughs> so how and how big are these homes? Uh, I'm not good with square footage. Okay. Um, like I mean, little homes, big, big, big. Yeah, yeah big. mostly big. Was... It's a pretty high end, like suburb. Okay. For the most part. Okay. And then now, so how long have you been now in Boulder? Three years. Three years. Yeah. Um, and you've moved around a little bit here. A little bit, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so what do you think of Boulder as compared to like just living here versus living Western suburbs of well, Chicago? In terms of the houses? Well, yeah, yeah. Or just like generally. Um, people like, especially when you get into Boulder, people are, you're really close to each other. Yeah. That was kind of weird. Yeah. Like you look out a window and you're looking right into somebody else's window. Yeah. I was never used to that. Hmm. Kind of thing. Because you had more more space. Yeah. Yeah. So I grew up in, in a suburb of New York and it was fairly, you know, you were, houses were fairly close to each other. Mm-hmm. We were a pretty um, dense town of two square miles, but like, you know, 15 miles from New York City. So, yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, you could always see your neighbor's houses, but you weren't looking directly into their kitchen. Yeah. Ever. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the newer developments here, they're pretty good about wooden no placement. Um, uh-huh. A lot of times you'll see those little kind of like transom style windows up above like a kitchen. So like okay. the light's coming in, but you can't see, you know, into the other house, which I think is kind of interesting. Um, yeah. Way to bring, bring light in and that kind of stuff. The the part that does remind me of Barrington is kind of when you're heading to like Hike Sanitas mm-hmm. and you get on those, I don't know what the road's called. Uh, is it like Mapleton? Mapleton, yeah. yeah. Where there's more trees. Yeah. Um. Well, those are also like some of the oldest homes in yeah. in you know, Boulder, if not Colorado. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and those are the ones that I like. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Probably the most expensive ones too. Uh, definitely in <laughs> prime you real know, estate. Multi-million dollar. You know, eighteen hundred, early nineteen hundred builds. Some of them are you know in disrepair, and others are yeah. just beautiful. Yeah. yeah. If the floors don't creak, I don't really like it. Yeah, I you know I've always kind of liked that too. Like the the old like. As we walk into houses and you see wood floors and maybe they have some marks in it or there's a dog there and so like there or there's like a traffic pattern like you can see and, and in New York like wood floors were original to the home whereas the newer stuff in this part of the country they were add-ons and so most houses like this one um, it was carpeted originally or a linoleum or like something like that and then you know at some point somebody put floors in um but now the, all the rage is like i'm gonna buy this house i'm gonna redo the floors before i move in and i'm like why you're just gonna scratch them mm. yeah <laughs> just let them be like yeah, it's yeah. just wood right yeah um yeah so anyway we digress so i so i think that you know what i was intrigued one i wanted to have you on just because of the inspiration and because this is you know something that you do too and and enjoy um but like the thought of you know you're 
um, young, younger. Yeah, um, not that young anymore. Not, yeah, all right. Twenty-seven. I was gonna say you're pushing thirty. I know it feels weird. All right, so maybe time to grow up and buy a house. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> so you know, like, has that has that ever occurred to you? Have you ever thought like I should stop renting and throwing money away? Throwing money away? I guess that's what you're doing, right? I mean, and you know, you're not you're not letting that money work for you. You're not yeah. reinvesting it in yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um, so has that ever? Have you ever said, "Hey, maybe it's time to like you know"? Like, kind of. Only because my parents had a house and they were twenty, mm-hmm. probably okay. right after they got married. Um, but other than that, not really. Just yeah. never really thought about it. So do you, when I say like throwing money away, do you understand that concept of like why with a house you wouldn't? Okay. Yeah. All right. Um, And it like, there's, there's no wrong answer. And there's, I'm sure there are people listening that are maybe in the same position as you and kind of saying like, you know, and I'll go even back to me. So I was 28, my sister, and we lived in New York. My sister had bought her apartment and I just didn't understand, didn't understand how it was possible. Just never thought it was for me until one day she said, I don't know why you don't do what I did. And I was like, well, how do you do that? And she's like, well, there's a thing called a mortgage, (laughs) you know, and I really didn't fully understand it. But like, if you're taking, you know, say you're renting an apartment for $2,000 a month, like that's money that just you pay $2,000 and it goes away, right? Yes, you don't have any responsibility of the house or the upkeep or like any of those things. But um, if you have, you know, and, you know, sometimes there's loan programs as low as 1%, a 1% down payment. You can be in a house and your monthly cost is the same, right? You're paying that amount, but you're paying it to your mortgage instead of to your landlord. And then all that interest is tax deductible. And then as the house appreciates, which here in Colorado things do, I mean, we've doubled since 2016, even even though things are kind of slow right now, like nobody's really losing money. People are just kind of like sitting and not able to do things that maybe they want to do. Um, so that, you know, that it gives you all of a sudden this equity. So maybe if you put 1% down on a hundred thousand dollars, or you put a thousand dollars down and all of a sudden five years later, it's worth, you know, twice that much money. Um, you know, now you have $2,000 Yeah, and then you can sell that place and you can buy a different place. Mm-hmm. Um, cause now you have a double down payment. So a little more complicated than yeah. dumbing it down just mm-hmm. a little bit. Yeah. Um, but it, when it, when you put so little down, is there any catch? So the catch, yes, there there are catches. So one is so there are programs out there that allow you to put as low as one percent. Like there's a state program called Chaffa, um, Colorado Housing something, and so essentially they they want people to own homes. So uh, they will allow you to put as little as one percent down, um, or sometimes as, maybe it's as low as a thousand dollars, something like that. You're paying a higher interest rate because you, you know somebody's doing you a favor kind of thing. Uh, it's a state-funded kind of program. Um, and then if you're not paying 20, if you if you haven't put at least 20% down, so if you don't own at least 20% of the house, the lender is gonna want personal mortgage insurance, which is like, it's weird that they call it personal mortgage insurance, but it's essentially you're paying a, an extra amount because they don't know if you're ever going to be able to, if you're going to be able to continue to make your payments. So you're getting, you're getting hit there too. But as soon as you can either make the payment to get to 20% or if you think the market has appreciated that much, 
you can have it appraised to prove that you now have 20% equity and then that fee goes away. And it's usually, you know, 200, $250 a month, something like that for this extra personal mortgage insurance for the lender. Does that make sense? Yeah. 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 So, um, so, you know, like, I don't know what your law, like you going back to Illinois, staying in Colorado, like the, you know, these are all the things that people have to think of when they're making those decisions. Um, but you know, if you're, if you are where you are and you don't plan on going anywhere, figuring something out like that, you know, yeah. can, can change, you know, if I hadn't bought my first studio in New York city, like I've talked about this all of like 400 square feet for back then, I think $124,000, it's probably worth over a million dollars now. Hmm. Um, but we sold it two years later and doubled that money. Yeah. If I hadn't done that, I don't know that I would have lived in Boulder originally. Mm-hmm. What about people who just don't want a house? Well, yeah, there like, are. Is that a thing? It is a thing. Um, I actually think back to a childhood friend whose parents, um, they were habitual renters. And they just, every couple of years, they had to move because either the rent was going up or the house wasn't available anymore or whatever. And you, you are, you know, maybe you're not really transient as in like you know day to day but you are living that like nomad lifestyle where you really don't have a place that's yours right um and the other thing you know with owning a place versus renting like you can paint things you can Mm -hmm. put money into it and feel good about it um versus you know taking care of landlord problems so um but you know like is there a reason why people only rent and don't buy I can't think of a good one, hmm. but it also makes me think of like the car, um, car world, like people who lease versus buy. Yeah. Um, I like a lease is a convenience. Like, yeah. It never makes sense financially, but there are people who just every three years they want a new car and that's how they do it and they pay a premium for it. Yeah. So, so, so basically what you're saying is renting in the grand scheme of things is dumb money. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I, I can't think of like, unless there's, maybe there's a reason for it. You know, maybe you're somewhere temporarily that you don't plan to stay on and you don't know where the market's going to be at some point. And so maybe it's not a smart investment. Um, I don't think that's Boulder. Like Boulder historically just does not lose money. Even, even in this weird lull that we're in right now with interest rates being as high as they are, um, uh, you know, unless you make a foolish decision by like overpaying on something and then having to sell it the next year, I don't think you're losing money. I mm. think I think this market will still appreciate. Um, just, you know. So in the market today, with interest rates being high, yep. are they are they really high or just like I abnormally mean, high right now? You know, relatively, right? So when our well, when my parents had mortgages, you know, in the seventies and eighties, they were like twelve, eighteen percent. Um, then there was like this downward, you know, trend. And so by the time I bought my first place in New York, it was 1998 and they were seven and a quarter, which was an all time low Mm. right now. They've creeped up just about 8%. Um, so, you know, if seven and a quarter was an all time low in 98, eight, eight right now, which seems really, really high because a couple of years ago, people were financing in the twos. Um, it just sounds really high. But it's not really high. Yeah. Um, it's just relative to like where what people are used to. So people are going to get more comfortable about it. I think right now people are just kind of holding like the Fed keeps increasing little bits. And so I think they're waiting for like that steady downward trend. 
Like we're never gonna see two and three percent again. Ever? Never say never, but like not anytime soon. Either. Was that was that during the bubble? Uh, or was that after that? So during the pandemic, when people were moving, right? Okay. Um, I don't, and I don't know what really fueled. You know, I think there was. We thought that the financial, you know, wellness of the world was going to crash, right? And it didn't. But then, you know, nobody wanted to work, and there were too many jobs, and you know, like yeah. I'm not a financial guy, so I like yeah, you could have uh, people couldn't comment on that stuff, but um, for whatever reason, you know, interest rates were down into the twos, mm. um, and everybody was refinancing. Um, so you know, now if you have a, th- a house with a three percent, two three percent loan, why would you want to sell that and move to get an eight percent loan? Yeah. So that's that's the hard part. Yeah. That's why we're seeing, you know, just things really slowly. You know, there's always going to be people moving. There's mm-hmm. always going to be people that need to buy, need to sell. Um, you know, you're sitting in a house that's for sale right now that is, you know, having showings. Um, nobody is saying anything bad. I don't, I'm not really getting anything negative. You know, there's preference things that people like or don't like about it, but generally the house, it's a great house. Um, is that why I'm here? Just gonna take. Yeah, we're 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 trying to get you to buy this house. Now. Sarah already asked me. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, yeah, you know. Um, so that question of like, you know, so you hadn't thought about it. No. Nope. Does this conversation make you more curious? It now? makes me curious about the whole thing. Yeah, yeah. like yeah, yeah. the whole idea of it and the process of it. Yeah. Just even for me being who I am and where I'm at. Is it a smart time to buy a house? Uh, well, so, you know, there are some who would say, and in, in, in my world, um, there won't be a better time in Boulder to buy a house than right now. <laughs> and the reason being is because the, the lenders have this product uh, or access to this product called what's a 2-1 buy down. So essentially, you know, we used to buy points and you still can. Like, so if your interest rate is five, you know, you could buy a point and get it down a little bit. You're just paying that money a little bit up front so that your monthly payments are a little bit lower. Um, With a two one buy down, it has to come from the seller side. And so you're actually getting like this concession from the seller at closing that is paying for your interest rate to be down two points for the first year, one point for the second year. And the theory is that by the end of that, on year three, we're refinancing somewhere in the fives or sixes. Mm. Um, that's the hope. That's the, the, you know, there's no guarantees. Nobody has this crystal ball. We can't really, you know, say anything for sure, but it is a way for people who do need to move now and want to do something or, you know, found the house of their dreams or really just have outgrown what they have, or it's too big and they want something smaller. There's all these reasons, um, that you can, if an industry is eight, it's really six for the first year. And then seven for the second year, but we all think you're refinancing by then anyway. And the lenders are offering you free origination so that you're not paying those fees. Um, you know, so there, uh, there's ways around it if you're motivated. The, the theory of there's no better time to buy than now is because as soon as interest rates start dropping, prices are going to go up. They just are. Um, like I said, Boulder historically really doesn't lose value. It only increases. There are no more places really to build here. Just a few, um, mostly like rebuild kind of stuff. Um, there are some planned, you know, developments future that the city isn't allowing yet. Um, and so there's more people who want to live here than can, 
which is why you've seen such big development in like Lafayette and Erie and, you know, the surrounding mm-hmm. part of Boulder. But there's still, you know, there's people who just really want to be in Boulder. They don't really want to be out in the, you know, the suburbs of Boulder, if, if that's what you call it. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, th- there's always a way. There's always yeah. a way. But so if you say, you know, there's a house right now, let's say there's a house for a million dollars, but you're going to pay 8% on that. If you do that math and then that house now uh, within the next five years becomes a million three, right? Um, if you, if you do that math, you realize that like you might be paying a little bit more at the get go, but the money that you're going to make in the long run, which you could then cash out. And then, you know, you and that's part of like the whole real estate game is like all that, all those numbers are on paper until you actually sell it and then see that appreciation and then use, use that money for your next down payment. So now your equity play in the house is actually bigger. And so as it appreciates, you get a bigger chunk. It's called unrealized gains. Yeah. There you go. That's right. You're a finance there guy. There you go. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so I, what was your focus in finance? Uh, it was just general finance. And did you ever do anything with it after college? Or that was uh, I did degree? a couple of internships and stuff, but that was about it. Yeah. With like, what, what kind of stuff? And one of them was with a healthcare company. Okay. Um, in Deerfield, Illinois. Okay. Um, yeah, just kind of doing all like the financial analysis of it. Super boring. Yeah. <laughs> Not fun. Yeah. Which is why this podcast is about like, you know, the emotional stuff of, of real estate and, and not okay. so much the numbers. Yeah. Not really a numbers guy. I can, I can pull comps and comps and I can give you my, you know, price opinion on anything and I can, I can dice numbers that way too. But, um, it's not exciting for me to sit in front of spreadsheets all day. Mm-hmm. I'd much rather be in the house talking about the house. Yeah. Yeah. So. Let's talk about the house, the house right. of your dreams. Like what? So say I've changed your mind. Okay, great. What are you looking for? Uh, an old house. Um, it's kind of kind of scary looking. <laughs> uh, I guess in Boulder. Are we yeah. just assuming in Boulder? It doesn't have to be. Okay. Well, yeah. we'll say I mean, in you Boulder. You know this area big, well enough now. Yeah. You're actually not living in Boulder right now. No, right? I'm yeah. living in the the Boulder suburbs. The Boulder. Okay. Superior. Superior. Yeah. Okay. Right off the highway, right by Chuck E. Cheese. Oh, yeah. Do you guys spend time there? A lot. <laughs> yeah, every Friday night. That's where I'm going after this. Yikes. Yikes. My kids had birthdays there, and I was like, okay, I'm just going to like hold my breath and not touch anything. And that, <laughs> was, that was before the pandemic. Yeah. I'm just kidding. We don't go there. Lindsay will kill me if she <laughs> hears that. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, so let's say in Boulder. Okay. Uh, just dream house. No, nothing matters. It doesn't even need to be a dream house. I mean, you know, like... My, my whole kind of platform now is, you know, this living the Boulder dream, which it, it comes from when I moved here in 2006. And I really didn't know much about Boulder, except like I always had this kind of like Colorado sounds awesome. Um, and getting out of New York, you know, was scary, but awesome. Um, and when I got here, you know, and I'd talk to friends or friends would come to, you know, visit or, or something and they'd say, so, you know, how are things? And I'd be like, I'm living the Boulder dream. Yeah, I mean, this place is kind of like too, like it's like not true, right? Like, mm-hmm. it doesn't get a whole lot better. And I know we have our issues now, and you know, politically, and you know, housed, unhoused, and yep. politics. This is a big, a big election coming up here in in November of twenty twenty three. Yeah, um, uh, yeah. Um, Connor and I won't will not get too much into <laughs> politics. Um, 
Um, but that actually poses an interesting question. Does any of that stuff worry you in terms of value of living in Boulder um, long term? Well, you know, what's interesting, and, and again, I'm, like I, I'm, I'm as, as little into politics as I am into numbers. Um, yeah. I'll just say that. Although, mm-hmm. you know, I do care about where I live. I do care about what's happening. I do care about the mm-hmm. issues. Um, there is, there has been, you know, historically, and why Boulder is called, you know, people have called it the People's Republic of Boulder, and mm-hmm. you know, it, it, it was that only, you know, blue dot in the state of Colorado, which has has kind of morphed and moved into Denver a bit, and there's mm-hmm. pockets, but you know, generally, the the most of the state is is pretty red and and, and liberal here in the Boulder Denver area. Yep. Um, but historically Boulder was incredibly liberal and very, you know, um, into let me live my life kind of thing and let other people live their lives. It's like a hippie town. It's a hippie town. And we, and we created a lot of services, um, for which, you know, people have taken advantage of, not taken advantage of in a bad way, but like, you know, these, all these services are really well used. Um, and I'm all for that, except when it becomes like the norm and that's why people are coming here just for the services. And Mm. so that's what we've seen. There's a lot of people that are not from here that are just migrating here because they hear, I guess that, Mm -hmm. you know, you can, you can totally survive in Boulder. Um, you know, Mm -hmm. you can totally throw up the tent, even though it's illegal, like they're not going to do anything about it. Um, and I think Boulder does what, what they can, but Mm -hmm. there's no, there's no legislation that's giving anyone any power to like do anything so now there are people who are you know showing interest in boulder that may have a little bit more of a less liberal spin or even um you know conservative or progressive you know there's there's all sorts of of those words out there being Mm -hmm. used um so we'll see like i think this election i don't know if i have any of the answers um i know something's got to change yeah um I know that like I am a little uncomfortable with my kids on bike paths at night. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm uncomfortable with my daughter on bike paths. Um, you know, like they, yeah. that didn't used to exist in Boulder. Yeah. So that's kind of sad. Yeah. Way. I just kind of meant if there's like any like San Francisco fear. Well, the, the fear is that we're becoming San Francisco or Portland, right? Which I mean, are, you just hear that get thrown around. Which are also these things. cities that, you know, are super liberal and want to help people and, you know, they're sensitive to mental health and, and all those things. And so, yeah, like, you know, like you want to be compassionate for people who are, you know, their lives are, you know, out of control or, or whatever, whatever has gotten to them to that state. Um so, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see, like, you know, where people vote and, and how that all plays out. Mm-hmm. Um, but something something's got to give. Yeah. You know? Like it's, you know, um, you couldn't you couldn't uh, I'll, I'll, I'll abstain from from getting too far into it. But, uh, but from a real estate perspective, does that scare you at all? You know, any of, that, any of that stuff? It's still such a great place to live, right? So even though there are these issues here, right? Like it's 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 not like New York City. <laughs> you know? yeah, fair, I yeah. lived in New York City. Um, and from what I understand now, like from speaking with family there, like it, it's it's back to like the Koch days, you know, um, where the subways aren't really safe at night and, you know, things are happening. Um, I guess I, I, you know, became an adult in New York when things were really being cleaned up. Ironically, when Giuliani was mayor, right? Um, his first his first term in New York, I think that was the first time I voted, maybe. Um, and and we, everybody voted for him, even though he was Republican, because um, you know New York is is very 
um, not Republican. Yeah. <laughs> um, but and he cleaned things up, and then like if and if you watch these documentaries about him, and like you know, Scroop came out, and he got crazy, and the second term was like insane. Mm. We'd be in a nightclub with music. And you'd start to kind of like, you know, you're standing in a circle with your friends and you start to kind of move and a big bouncer would come up behind you and be, please, please don't dance. Because they didn't have a cabaret license and they were huh. enforcing that. Huh. It, just these old blue laws, right? Like just, just, just strange, strange kind of stuff. But, um, but the city did get really cleaned up and it was clean and it was safe and I felt comfortable walking and being in subways but alone at night and... Um, it sounds like that may not be the case anymore. Hmm. Um, but I don't, I don't go back too much cause I'm living the boulder dream. Living the boulder dream. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. All right. So, um, if you jumped in, uh, and you say, so say you found a house, like, do you, do you know what to do? Like, would you know how to like, I think that is a refrigerator. Okay. Um, do, would you know like how to go about the process? No. Okay. I think you'd go into the open house, tell me you want to buy it, and then... Uh, no, no, no. Throw some cash, and yeah. that's it. <laughs> Brief, briefcase full of cash. Briefcase full of cash. All right. Yeah. So for listeners who may not even like know the process, so right, like here's the process. You should, you could go to open houses and look at properties. Any open house you walk into, there's going to be a broker there. It may not be the listing agent. It may be another agent in that office or even not who's trying to pick up more business and willing to do open houses and meet people. They would love to help you. It's not a good thing, it looks like. I mean, it can be, you know, but we don't know who that broker is, right? Um, So finding a broker, you know, should be like a a priority. Like, um, I have a client who you know, um, who, you know, interviewed me hard um, and was interviewing other agents, even though she knew me, um, which I was kind of tickled by. And then, you know, like, I think I nailed it. Um, and I, and I did, I ended up working with her more than, more than one time. Um, but like, that's kind of what, you know, you people need to do like to, it, so everybody has gone through the same schooling to get a real estate license. It's not easy, but it's not terribly difficult, right? If you understand it, it shouldn't be that big of a deal, but ethics comes into big, a big play. Um, how, like, do I just want to get this deal done or do I really care about what you're looking for and Mm. making sure that I keep you out of trouble? So, and then there's personality, right? Like there's some really great brokers out there that I would never in a million years want to work with just because they are, um, either too loosey goosey or too aggressive or, you know, so whatever your personality is, is what you should be working with. Um, I have clients who, you know, they'll text me a question at midnight just because they're thinking of it. And then they're shocked when I respond to them. And Hmm. my rule is if you text me and I'm up, I'm going to respond because if not, I feel like I might forget. You're so much like my dad. (laughs) Any time of the day. Yeah. It's go time. That's great. I can't can't get my builder to call me back (laughs) after five. (laughs) Hopefully he's not listening. Um, Project's not done yet. So, so yeah, finding, finding a broker that you really want to work with and not just jumping into it with somebody you don't know is I think, you know, the number one thing that I would, I would worry about. Um, and then number two is like, you know, make sure you see enough houses to know that it's the one, right? Like you might walk into one house and be like, I love this. Let's Mm -hmm. do it. Yeah. 
But then, you know, as you're in this contract period, which is typically about 30 days, um, maybe you happen to go look at a couple other open houses and you're like, oh, I don't know. Now you're second guessing. Yeah. Now, now you want to back out of that contract mm -hmm. and get into another. It starts to get a little messy. Yeah. Um, so see as much as you can. It's like women. <laughs> it's, you can't marry the first girl you see. Uh, um, that's another podcast. <laughs> <laughs> that's another podcast. All right. Back to houses. Um, and then, uh, so now you've, now you've found your broker, you've seen a bunch of houses. Now you, now you're at the house that you really like. And now you have to think about like, what is this house worth to me? Most first time home buyers are not comfortable putting up the right number. They're like, well, it's listed at this. So maybe we offer a little bit less. And in Boulder, you know, typically right now that's it's working a little bit, but typically that didn't work. At no all. go. No go. Everything. So if it's a million and I go in with, with 800, oh, it's just God. no. No. <laughs> like they won't even respond to that. We don't overprice things. Like the, for the most part, we don't overprice. Um, there's been a little bit of overpricing this year just because it's really hard to figure out what values are and where, mm. and where the market is. I'm always from the, the standpoint, you know, I tell my clients, like, I think we should price it a little bit low, get more eyes on it and potentially get multiple offers and then work it that way. Mm. And I'm just doing that because I am, you know, it's in the best interest of my client trying to get them the most money out of the house. If you, if you overprice it and nobody's like, it's not worth this, we're not going to see it. Um, that's worse because you're not even getting people in the door. Um, but people are very hesitant to write low offers on houses that they think are overpriced because they think that there's some kind of background there. You know, either the seller's really difficult or, you know, what, whatever. Um, and there's all sorts of, you know, there's, there's all sorts of reasons and things and, you know, um, you know catalysts of, of why these things happen. So, hmm. um, so, no, typically, like, you know, you're making an offer on a million dollar house like you know 982 mm. <laughs> might might be in that realm you know um well i guess you gotta try you gotta try and you know i always say like i'll write whatever offer you want to write but i'm telling you this is probably not gonna happen hmm. um so that when it doesn't happen you don't come back to me and be like why didn't it happen yeah. Um, cause I'm just going to always tell you exactly how mm -hmm. I feel. Maybe we'll get surprised. So let's write it. Yeah. You know? Now, do um, you get to see other people's offers? No, no, yeah. you don't get to see anything. You don't even know what typically like, so say there's a house up the street, right? And we're buying the other house in, in the neighborhood and we want to know what that house sold for. They're not going to tell us until it's closed mm. because if for some reason that deal falls through, which happens, they don't want anyone to know what the contract price was. Because they want to try and get the most that they can. Yeah. Right. So mm -hmm. if it was, you know, ten thousand dollars less, right? Now everybody's offering ten thousand dollars less. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So and then you know and then there's this long you know if you have a lender involved, twenty one to forty five day period of the contract and all the dates and deadlines and all the things that you're doing and you know and that's why having somebody like me on your side who understands all those things is, yep. is helpful. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What other questions would you have? Like now that you know, like we've, we're, we're getting into this, I see you're sweating. Sweating? Yeah. <laughs> you're like, oh my, yeah. this sounds like a lot. That's a lot of stuff. I'm going to keep renting. Um, yeah. <laughs> so you get a broker first, right? And how do you even go about doing that? 
Yeah, I mean, it's you, most people find brokers word of mouth, word of mouth right? Yep. Um, you know, you might walk into an open house and you might really like that broker and mm-hmm. you might go look at a couple things. Um, some brokers will require you to sign their contract, you know, before they show you anything. I don't, I feel like I want to get to know you as much as you want to get to know me. Like yep. maybe I don't want to work with you. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I'm at that point in my career where I like, I don't have to work, work with, with everybody, everybody that yeah. just comes along. Um, and it's not like necessarily a personal thing. It's, it's more of like, are we a good fit? Am, mm-hmm. am I going to be successful with you? Um, or am I going to waste your time or vice versa? Right. Yep. So, and, and time is everything because looking at houses, you know, especially now where there's like stuff to look at. We could go out for an entire day looking at houses and you could be like, nah, mm-hmm. you know, and I've just spent an entire day and now I've gotten to know you a little bit better and I really don't want to work with you anymore, but I've, mm-hmm. but I've spent a whole day with you or you have spent an entire day with me and you're like, I cannot spend another five minutes with that guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's important to have that, that mm-hmm. so, but you know, it's okay to go to open houses. You're going to sign in, they're going to, you know, hit you up and, you know, send you all sorts of stuff. Or you could just, you know, put down fake information. Yeah. You know, that a lot of people happens. do. It, it happens. I mean, I, you know, like I typically have people sign in and open houses because I want my clients, my, my sellers to know like what the traffic was like. Mm. I do want to follow up people and I want to get their feedback. Um, and if they're interested, I want to make sure, you know, either I'm in touch with their agent or, um, if they don't have an agent, um, maybe I would help them depending on the situation. I don't think it's in anybody's really, and I've said this before. So in the state of Colorado, you cannot represent both sides. So what happens if I'm, if, if you walk into my open house and it's my listing and you're like, I I just want to buy this. Like, I don't want to miss out on this. Let's just do this. I have to then become what's called a a transaction broker. So I'm moving to the middle. The way we explain it is you think of two teams and they both have coaches. Those coaches are the realtors. Um, If if you're going to represent both sides, which that that term is illegal, you can't represent both sides, you can become the transaction broker. Now you're just the ref. You're in the Mm. middle. Nobody's getting advised. Nobody's being represented. I'm just moving papers back and forth, telling you what you need to do and asking you what you want to do. And then when you say to me, I don't really understand, what do you think I should do? You know, I can't really, I can't really, you know, can't give you any information that I know from the other side. So it actually puts me in kind of a precarious situation too, because um, I know too much from the seller, even though now I'm not going to be representing them, I still can't tell you that information. Mm-hmm. And I can't let them know anything that I know about you. Yeah. So it's generally better for yeah. everybody just to have their own agent. Um, agents like to do both sides because they make more money. Mm. You know, but mm-hmm. um, you know, it's not always just about like the commission. Yeah. Right. So I've got a broker now. So now you got a broker. Now I tell them what I want. Yep. What if I'm not really sure? Then you got to look at stuff. You got to figure it out. Like what a size what are we talking because you can always paint the house right yeah um yes not a big color um size yeah, depending on the HOA, you may not be able to paint the outside oh uh, yeah yeah so color size yeah but like you know how many bedrooms how many baths what neighborhood yeah. um you know does it have a attached garage is it you know is this a house or a condo does it have an attached garage two-car garage um 
is there an HOA? How much does the HOA cost? What amenities does the HOA provide? Uh, there's like there's there's tons tons of things to learn, um, and and by seeing houses and you start to ask those questions and see the differences and you know, look at these listing sheets, you start to get a good idea. Um, but you know that's how you educate yourself is, is mm. seeing stuff. Yeah. Do you tell them like price range? What if you don't even know? Well, that's why you're talking to a lender too. Okay. So yeah, I want to buy a house. What and I say, what's your price point? And you're like, well, I don't know. Yeah. So now I'm referring you to a, a lenders. I'm going to give you three names um, because if I give you one and things go wrong, then I told you to use this person and that's no good. Yeah. Um, so it's really your cho- it has to be your choice of what lender you want to use. Um, I have three on my list that I always work with that I always recommend, um, and their you know their ethics are as high as mine. Hmm. Um, they're not all lenders are created equally. Just, just like realtors, just like anything else. Yep. Um, so that, then they look at, so with them you're sharing your whole financial situation, all your savings, all your yep. investments and all that. And they say, okay, with all this, here's what I suggest we do. You know, I think you should sell out of this position because you know you said you've had this for 20 years and you haven't really touched it, but I think it could, you know, it could grow better in a house investment versus, you know, the 401k. Well, 401k, you can't really touch that without getting penalized. But like, mm-hmm. so say the, say, you know, grandparents gave you some investment that's in your name, something like that. Yeah. Um, so they're, you know, they're a little bit wiser about numbers. Um, they look at your whole financial, you know, information. They're looking at your tax returns. They're looking at your W-2. Um, and they're saying, okay, I can get you approved for a loan at this amount which is usually the very, 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 very high, you know, level and you, you don't want to borrow that much. Um, but they're letting you know that you could. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you find a number that's comfortable for you. And then, and then you start looking at houses and then they factor in what's the property insurance, annual property insurance is going to be. What are the annual tax property taxes going to be? Is there an HOA? What are that, those annual costs? And they factor all that in because the lender takes all that money monthly to pay for it at the end of the year mm-hmm. into like an escrow. Uh, so you have to factor in all those things and then you realize, okay, this is what I can afford. And is that better than my rent or is it worse? Right now with interest rates being as high as they are, it might be even. But if you look at it from the, the standpoint of I'm going to grow this, potentially double this in you know not that long of a period, um, it's better than just tossing money away in rent. Mm-hmm. Plus, any interest that you're paying on a mortgage is tax deductible. Mm-hmm. So you get that little boost. Yeah. Little extra money back at the end of the year. Yeah. Yeah. So what do you do from there? Uh, so you, then you got to identify the house. Yeah. Right? And then so you get a house. Then there's all these dates and deadlines in a contract. Uh, and then you you know i'm guiding you through all that stuff but the first stuff is like getting the home inspection done so we have you know uh in the state of colorado they're not licensed there's no licensing for inspections um there should be but there are not Mm. um but there are certifications so like the folks that i use um scott home inspection is kind of the gold standard bunch of different guys they all have different competencies um they're actually talking to each other throughout the day on different projects that they're on and they're all either nashi or ashi certified which i can't tell you what those acronyms are but like you know the the high level of guys who actually really know what they're doing but i could you know tomorrow go out and say that i'm a home inspector Hmm. 
Yeah. 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 Um, so then uh, everything goes well, the home inspection, or maybe there's a few things that come up. We negotiate those items, whether, you know, sellers replacing them or having them fixed or we're taking a concession. Uh, and then you just kind of move through the loan process, uh, which is, you know, another another podcast. Um, mm -hmm. And for those that are interested that may not have listened to Lauren Nigren, who was a previous episode, listen there because she gives you all the secrets of, of what it mm. means to go and develop a relationship with a lender and how rates work and all that kind of stuff. Um, yeah. And then you get to closing and then all of a sudden you're moving. Yeah. Which is stress. And then you're either happy or you're like, oh shit, what I just do? <laughs> and that's where I say like, you know, it's pretty safe unless you have that oh shit moment and then you're a year later trying to sell it and you're not going to make back, you know, what you put into it because there's commissions that you have to pay on the real, you know, and then you have to pay title insurance and all these yep. other, other kind of things. So. So, so, so the question now, like the, you know, the big question is, deal have, have or I, no deal? Deal, <laughs> deal. I mean, have I, have I at least piqued your interest? Yeah, I would say so. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm definitely interested in the process and yeah. kind of looking at it and seeing like what it would take and that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. Is it, it's gotta be easier when you're married or something, right? Not necessarily. Could I be mean, though. It, well, I mean, I think what's easier, it depends, right? So if you are two people that are both have income, yeah. right, that makes, but just like renting, right? Now yeah. it's two salaries going to one rent versus one salary. Mm -hmm. um, that's really, but you know, like both people, both partners don't need to be on the loan. It can just be one, like there's mm -hmm. all different ways around it. So yeah. being married versus not being married, you know, shouldn't be a reason to or not to. Um, it just depends on your own specific financial situations. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. Yeah. 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 But sometimes the first thing to do, I mean, even, even prior to going and looking at open houses is to talk to a lender that you can trust that you, you know, you give them all that information. They do their application. It, most of it's all online. Now you're just going in and answering questions. And then later on, they're going to ask you for all the backup, uh, you know, documents to support it, tax returns and stuff. But they're the ones who are going to be like, yes, you totally can afford to do this or this might be above your reach and you should be looking at this hmm. um but you know fine it's the american dream right yeah it sure used to be home? is it still i think so yeah think white picket so. fence couple dogs it, it kind of seems like kids. now the american dream is owning like 10 properties yeah Right. Um, although I, you know, I, and I've been a landlord a few times. It's really not, that's mm -hmm. not my thing. Well, don't, I don't so like that's it. like, that was like a 1950s thing, right? American dream. Well, Standard that was, American dream. you know, like if you, I don't know how, if you've traveled to, you know, straight other countries and stuff, but like we were in Russia and this was years ago. We were in St. Petersburg, which was, it was 2002, I think. So it was still kind of early, you know, mm -hmm. like the fact that we were like getting those visas was not easy. We were on, we were on a trip, like a, a group trip. Um, and the boat that we were on, which was like a, a this tour is of Russia? the Baltics. Yeah. Well, yeah. we did the Baltics and then we okay. went, we went in through the, I forget what river it is, but we get into St. Peter's. Euphrates, River. Amazon. Definitely not you Amazon. Know, Mississippi. <laughs> Anyway, uh, so we get into Russia and then we were on these tours. We saw like a bunch of these palaces and stuff. And they mm. were explaining to us that now that things were becoming 
not quite democratic, but, um, mm-hmm. you know, like people had, people were able to kind of do things. Yeah. It didn't make sense for them to buy the, they, the government owned all the buildings, right? And you could buy your apartment from the building, but then it was all your responsibility and mm-hmm. they were all falling apart anyway. So it yeah. wasn't really in anybody's best interest to buy mm-hmm. it from the government. Yeah. Um, I'm sure I'm guessing things have changed quite a bit now since, yeah. since then, but um, yeah, the, I mean, the American dream was to like, you know, people should own their own property and, and mm-hmm. not always be, um, you know, on the hook to somebody else yeah. for things. Yeah. Yeah. So plus, you know, of all the investments that I've ever participated in, mm-hmm. <clears throat> pretty heavily vested in real estate. Yeah. yeah. They, do, they do say a man's pride and joy is his land. Um, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Is that a Barrington thing? No, you'll have to go Google that. I forget what <laughs> uh, Okay. <laughs> uh, but yeah. All right. Can I ask you one more question? Yeah, anything. Do you, do you think it takes more now? Like, does it take more now, more income, whatever, to buy a house than it did in 1950 or whatever that was? Well, yeah. I mean, like, so we talk about, like, when my parents, right, owned a house that they bought for $97,000 mm-hmm. and their interest rate was like 12%, I think. Yeah. Um, but, you know, $100,000 back then was a lot of money. Yep. So, I, you know, I think it's all relative, but okay. I think I think uh, real estate is a little bit more pricey now than it was, but I think that there's a lot more creative and, and structured programs to allow people to be homeowners than were back in those days. Like, I think it used to be where, you know, you were expecting your parents to kick in, right? And that still happens, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, for some, some not so lucky some, for some of us, but, um, you know, uh, and then there's, you know, uh, people who are just buying things for cash because they come from very wealthy, you know, families that have, you know, money and they believe in real estate. Um, yeah. so they're happy to spend, you know, millions of dollars on real estate and just let it, let it cook. Um, but anybody who's bought in Boulder, uh, since the record of like it's bad, I think they were tracking you know sales back to like the early 1900s, like 1902 or something like that. Like there have been these little dips, but if you take that graph and you look at it from you know bird's eye view, like it's just straight up. Mm. Like yes, there are these little dips, right? Yep. Like during economic whatever, and and right now there's some softening. Like if you're in the two, three, four million dollar range, you have a lot of houses to look at and probably some leverage on negotiating. Um, but those people with those houses probably made a lot of money unless they bought it last year Mm. at, at some of the highest rate, right? So we haven't increased from last year. We just haven't lost really, except in, you know, some specific circumstances. What, what we're not doing anymore is going for 10, 20, 30, 40% over asking, which is what was happening two years ago in April. Hmm. Yeah. 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 So, um, Yeah, it's just it's like you know it's timing. Don't buy anything if if you're not planning to let it roll for a little while. Okay, that would be my only words of wisdom. Okay. Otherwise, buying real estate in, in Boulder is not like you can't. I hesitate to say you can't lose, but I, I really think you can't lose. Yeah. So, unless there's a fire. Well, I mean, that's what insurance for. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. You know, that's good. Yeah. Um, and I, Louisville now, you know, are, are you living in new new construction in, yep. in Superior? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Since the fire? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Brand um, new. Yeah. Some of that stuff is really, really nice. Mm-hmm. 
And if you drive up McCaslin, you know, towards Harper Lake, like those houses that burned were big houses, but they were funky 80s, you know, late 80s, early 90s. And now they're like these beautiful farmhouse, you know, style architecture. And I think that the general price value of Louisville has now, now that there's enough of them that have sold, like we're really like Louisville is, is up there with Boulder in, in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and has been for a while, you know, like Louisville yeah. was, was once the alternative and now it's like, oh, we can't even afford Louisville. We're going to go Lafayette. We're going to go Erie. We'll yeah. get more in Erie. Um, I don't know, but you know, you're farther away. The mm-hmm. views are amazing. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you have amazing views there. But, yeah. Yeah. All right. All right. Any more real estate related questions? I think that's it for now. That's it. All yeah. right. So I usually end these things with a few questions um same questions for everybody for me or someone else for you oh okay yeah yeah. okay what's your it doesn't have to be your existing place of of living but just generally these questions uh what is your favorite room of the house (laughs) kitchen why um you cook not that much very basic things that's where all the pbrs are like beef yeah, I make a lot of beef and stuff. Okay. Um, like the kitchen, yeah. And I like to have like like stools to sit at the kitchen yep. and just read books. Okay. So, dual cool. purpose. Cool. Uh, what room of the house will you never use? Like a guest bedroom. <laughs> okay. Uh, what do we got? Family living rooms and family rooms. I never know the difference, but family room. Yeah. Well, like this is a family room, right? This yeah. open kitchen floor plan with the family room, yeah. and then there's when you walk in, there's like this yeah, more use, formal living yeah. room. And not that it's not the useless. So room, I got the feedback. Room goes. <laughs> I got feedback today from an agent who was like, "Yeah, you know, they didn't really love." The entryway with like the formal living room and dining room kind of set up they just wished it was all open which is really where things have gone unfortunately like i can't change that this house was built in 1994 or six something like that okay. so yeah um so that you know that's definitely a trend um okay. so what should a house smell like not your great grandma's house, that's for sure. Why? What did that it smell smells like? Smells terrible. I don't know. I didn't you know, know my you know the place next door to the gym. Yes. Did you get a whiff of that? It smells like that. Totally. What does that smell like? Um, it's like it's like old wood. Okay. And then maybe some body odor. Yeah, that's yeah. that's the smell. But it reminds yeah. me of my my great grandma's house all the time. Okay. Yeah, just like that old kind of old. It yeah, old. old. Not not like that. Fresh. Yeah. But kind of old still because I like the old houses. Okay. But in like in a good way. Yeah. So more of like Myers soap, hand soap. Sure. Like that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I don't like artificial smells, but yeah, I Yeah. yeah. I walk into houses sometimes and there's these plug in, you know, things with like the reservoir of like, mm. you know, highly highly concentrated fragrance and I'm just it goes straight to my nasal yeah. like like those places that pump out it. like Abercrombie's you know those kind of places oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I get I'll just start sneezing yeah it's, it's awful. terrible it's awful I don't know how people work in those things yeah there there's a rumor and years ago in, in my marketing days I worked uh, for an ad agency that Apple was a client mm-hmm. and there was a rumor that Apple pumped in uh, tomato juice smell mm. into the stores um, I don't know if that was ever confirmed or not. But. I think that stuff is bigger than you think. Like, oh, totally. Yeah. Like everyone, yeah. Disney does it. Retail. All the time and yeah. stuff. Retail is <clears throat> huge. Okay. 
What uh, what home feature is overrated? Second floor. Okay. <laughs> so you want a ranch? Uh, I don't know if I want a ranch, but I could go without a second floor. Okay. I mean, you're in the right part of the country because there's a lot of ranches here. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Uh, what is the one feature that your house doesn't have that you wish it did? Um, a wraparound porch. Okay. thought you were going to say a cold plunge. No, not a cold plunge. It's a trend. It's a thing. Yeah, I know. It's, it's, it's happening. A, yeah, yeah. It's happening. <laughs> you cold plunge? Uh, I have never done it. I think I would probably not make it out. Like, yeah. I, I, um, I don't like being cold anymore. Like, Ooh. when I get chilled, like... You know, we'll go out and it's chilly and you go into a restaurant and then you're there for a few hours and you come out and it's already like 10, 10 degrees or whatever. Mm -hmm. And I, even without the humidity here, like it just rips through my bones and I get this chill that I can't, yeah. can't shake. <clears throat> Don't like it. Don't mm. like it. All right, Connor Warman yep. of the Warman Project. You appreciate having you on Living the Boulder Dream. Yeah, thanks for having me. I feel like I'm living the dream. I, I mean, you are living the dream. I think, yeah, I you, think so. You are hanging out in a pretty cool spot. Yeah, I gotta say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a good spot. Um, I appreciate your your inspiration in getting me uh, rolling. On, yeah, that's on pretty the cool podcast. that that happened. Yeah, yeah. When you yeah. said that, that was pretty. That was pretty exciting. Yeah. yeah. So. Anyway, until next time. Until next time. Until we buy a house and you can come back and tell everybody all about it. Yep, until we buy a house. All right, thanks, man. All right, see ya.